Welcome to episode 91 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. This episode is the Haunted Doll episode with a focus on a couple of the more famous haunted dolls, Annabelle and Robert, plus a newcomer to the haunted doll scene, Betty. Haunted doll scene. Is that a thing? Yeah, kind of is. It kind of is. Did you know there's a whole eBay category for psychic and paranormal items where you can buy your very own haunted doll? No shit. Look it up. Go to eBay. Start with the everything else category. Then look at the metaphysical, then the psychic and paranormal items category. Once you're there, you'll notice a plethora of dolls for sale that are supposedly haunted. And some of those dolls do look scary as fuck. Holy shit. Yes. Super scary. They do, by the way. I do doubt that all of those dolls are actually haunted. Uh, Anything to make a buck, right? The scarier a haunted quote unquote doll looks, the better chance it has of selling. Now, why would I say that I'm suspicious that not all of the dolls that they sell on eBay are haunted? Well, maybe it's the metaphysical penis charm that's for sale on the same page, along with Nala, Madeline, and Sophie, the highly active spirit haunted dolls. It kind of makes you think, doesn't it? Now, before I get too far ahead of myself ranting about haunted dolls on eBay or too sidetracked with shit-talking on the credibility of some of these eBay sellers, I want you to understand this. Betty the Doll, who we're going to be talking about a little bit later in this episode, was purchased on eBay by Amanda Paulson and Sharice Williams. Amanda and Sharice are two of the most legitimate paranormal investigators that I know of that are out there and active today, and they got Betty on eBay. They were very selective in the process of buying Betty. They were very cautious, and I believe they did end up with a truly special and probably haunted doll in some ways. You're going to see. You'll see. So at the very least, you can say you could buy a haunted or kind of paranormally active doll on eBay If you're lucky or unlucky, it depends on how you look at it. Me, I'm fucking terrified of haunted dolls. I really am. And most of that is thanks to Robert the Doll, who we're going to talk about in just a little bit. That's coming up in part two of this episode. Robert is intense. And you do not mess with Robert, okay? No disrespect to Robert. You're going to hear that a few times in this episode, and for good reason, I think. So I'm I'm terrified of haunted dolls? Well, why would I do a whole episode about haunted dolls? I would say it's because, like pretty much anything paranormal in nature, I'm absolutely fascinated by haunted dolls. Completely fascinated. How does a doll become haunted? How is it possible for an inanimate object to be haunted, possessed, or whatever? Well, why don't we hear a little bit more in-depth information on that subject with a brand new feature of the Bobcast, Mysterious Musings with Ivy Boyd. Yes, Ivy returns with a new segment that really debuted back in December 2020 when Ivy told some Yuletide ghost stories for the Ghost Stories Part 3 episode. Here's Ivy with some of the main theories behind Haunted Dolls, plus her opinions and advice on the subject. What's up, everyone? My name is Ivy. 
I'm a witch, paranormal investigator, and currently I'm a member of the Ghouls Trip Paranormal Travel Blog, and I've been featured in a few previous episodes on this very podcast, or should I say Bobcast. For this episode, I'm going to share my favorite theories behind how objects can become haunted. I'll be using dolls as an example because they tend to be the favorite for picking up on spooky stuff, and I do actually collect haunted and potentially haunted dolls myself. But keep in mind that any object can become haunted, not just creepy-looking antique dolls. The first theory that I'll go over, which is my favorite purely for the creep factor, has to do with the love that dolls tend to receive. When you give a child an item like a doll, they typically take it everywhere with them. They name it, they play with it constantly, they give it a personality, and sleep with it every night. But when the child grows up, they eventually stop playing with the doll and abandon it. It is believed by some people that the doll can then crave the love, energy, and attention that it once received. This hunger is what gives these dolls a strange and powerful vibe that people will feel when they are in its presence. I also enjoy this theory because I think it perfectly explains my odd obsession with spooky-looking dolls. When I'm at an antique store and I see a very sad, decrepit, falling apart antique doll, I feel so weirdly bad for them that I almost always end up taking them home with me. The second theory, which is the most common reason for a haunted doll in my opinion, is kind of similar to the first one, but instead of the doll craving energy, it gives it off, sort of like a residual haunting. This is when human emotions and energies get imprinted on a place or an item during times of strong human emotion, usually tragic events, or it can occur if the same energies are present around the object for very long periods of time. These residual energies that are imprinted on the item can then be felt or experienced by people around the item who are sensitive to it. This type of haunting from residual energy is perfectly harmless and cannot be interacted with, and it is difficult to make it go away. So if you have an item that you think is haunted via residual energies from a previous owner or from an event that occurred in the presence of the item, my advice is to honestly just accept it. Unless it's too scary for you, then maybe find a professional or someone odd like me to give it to. The third theory, which is the most common one that you will hear but is rarely the case, is that some people believe that dolls simply make an appealing vessel for spirits and entities to attach themselves to because of the doll's human-like appearance. This could also be due to the fact that dolls are sometimes passed down through generations and will usually have people present around them for the entity to interact with or even feed off of. 
Although many people who collect haunted items try to dig for names and an identity to a specific spirit they think is possessing the item, I personally believe that this is typically not the case and that haunted dolls are usually the result of residual energies. Something else you should know about me is that I am a skeptical believer in the paranormal, meaning I do obviously believe in the paranormal, that's why I talk about it so much, and I believe most of these theories that I've just told you to an extent. But I'm also very aware that a lot of paranormal occurrences actually have a normal explanation behind them, so I'd like to share one last reason for why people tend to get so uncomfortable around dolls that might look evil and haunted, but actually aren't. This is usually because of the uncanny valley, which is when something, like a doll, looks human, but something about it will be slightly off, making us feel uncomfortable. For example, many older antique dolls will have odd proportions that make it seem slightly less human than it should, like a big head with very tiny arms, or facial features and proportions that don't quite match that of a real living human. And this is a big reason as to why dolls can make so many people uncomfortable, even when nothing paranormal is actually going on. There has even been a big boom in people's interest in the paranormal over the last decade, with the market for haunted items always consistently on the rise. The uncanny valley allows a lot of people to market old, creepy dolls as being haunted, even if they aren't. But the doll's creepy appearance is usually enough to make buyers believe that this item definitely has to be haunted or cursed or something. So a word of advice if you are interested in collecting and investigating your own haunted dolls is to please just take the paranormal claims with a grain of salt. Especially if the item is really expensive and if the seller only seems to sell haunted items. If you enjoyed these spooky theories, feel free to follow me on Instagram at tattoosandspooks, where I post random creepy fun facts, travel photos from haunted places that I go to, and other paranormal content. And check out my website, ghoulstrip.blog, where we go state by state covering some of America's most haunted locations and sometimes even investigating them for ourselves. In fact, just a couple of days ago, I stayed the night essentially alone in the famous haunted McIntyre Villa in Atchison, Kansas, which houses dozens of creepy-looking dolls, and I will be covering my paranormal experiences there on the blog very soon. You don't want to miss it. Thank you so much for listening, and remember to stay spooky. Thank you very much, Ivy, for your mysterious musings. Ivy rules. She has so much knowledge about the paranormal and much more. The uncanny valley, though, right? That's a very interesting theory, I think. Also, the part about residual energy being a possible cause of haunted dolls. Toy Story? Have you ever seen those movies? Yeah, the Toy Story movies are filled with a bunch of fucking haunted dolls. Think about it. 
It all lines up when you look at it a certain way, I think, doesn't it? Haunted fucking toys. Yeah, there you go. The Toy Story movies are really horror movies. Then that kind of actually makes me feel a little bit better about watching them and crying during that goddamn Sarah McLaughlin song in Toy Story 2. Look for more Mysterious Musings with Ivy Boyd every month on the Bobcast with more informative, interesting, and creepy content. Thanks again, Ivy. Now, it is time for the hauntingly good... Fear of the Episode. The beer of the episode is back after a long absence. Must have been around Christmas time, the last beer of the episode, something like that. Back with a vengeance. The beer of the episode this time is the Digital Castaway IPA from Plan 9 Alehouse. This beer is an IPA brewed with Simcoe and Citra hops and dry hopped with Sabro hops. Yes, indeed. This fine IPA has a 6.8% alcohol by volume. Very nice. Let's give this one a try. Ooh, it's good. Tiny bite, a little. It's pretty smooth. It's very delicious. Hints of coconut in it, I would say, a little tropical kind of in in its own way. Yeah, that's a damn, damn good beer. By the way, you can enjoy this fine beer and many other fine beers at Plan 9 Ale House, which is located at 155 East Grand Avenue in lovely downtown Escondido, California. You can reach Plan 9 Alehouse by phone at 760-489-8817 or on the web at www.plan9alehouse.com. One final thing before we really get to the tales of these dolls of doom, the music of this episode. First up and in between part one and two or between the Annabelle segment and the Robert segment is the song Psychic Voodoo Doll by San Diego's favorite Lords of Gloomcore, Deadbolt. Yes, indeed. Then between part two and part three is the song Yellow Wallpaper by Dayton, Ohio's paranormally poppy House Ghost. Lastly, the final song of this episode at the very end is titled Forsaken by Devil Doll. And I would like to take this opportunity to say a few words about Devil Doll here at the very beginning. I'm going to say a few more things at the very end of the episode as well. Devil Doll is Colleen Duffy. She's a massively talented musician, songwriter, singer, and more. Colleen has had kind of a rough time of things health-wise over the last several years, and you can help. Colleen has a GoFundMe set up to help with her medical expenses, which I will post links to on this episode's page on the Bobcast website. I'd also recommend you read Colleen's story on the Devil Doll webpage, which is www.devil-doll.com. Colleen is a true inspiration. She's been through some really horrific stuff health-wise. And I'll tell you what, Colleen is nothing if not a fighter. She's overcome some crazy obstacles, and she's still putting out really rad music. In fact, the latest Devil Doll record came out in May of 2020. It's a great record too, by the way. Help out with Colleen's medical expenses if you can, by her music, you will not be disappointed. Devil Doll is super rad. I can't wait to play that song at the end of this episode. And we will be talking a little bit more about that song before I do play it, because there's a story behind the song I want to share with you, basically. Now, 
Let's talk about haunted dolls for a bit, starting with Annabelle. Annabelle the doll. You know who or what Annabelle is, right? From the movies? Well, the Annabelle of the movie series, the Conjuring Universe movies, is not at all like the real-life Annabelle. Yes, there is an actual real-life Annabelle the doll. She's a raggedy Ann doll in the real world, not this grotesque porcelain and very frightening-looking doll like you see in the movies. Why is the movie doll so different from the real Annabelle doll? There are two reasons. One, the producers of the Annabelle series of movies would have needed permission from the Bob's Merrill Company and the Knickerbocker Toy Company to use the likeness of Raggedy Ann in those Annabelle movies. Those two companies own the rights for Raggedy Ann-related publishing rights and the doll, the toy, respectively. The second thing is Raggedy Ann... It really isn't that scary looking, so the producers of the Annabelle movies went with the Uncanny Valley theory or concept and used a very demented-looking murder doll for the movies. Then that totally makes sense, right? Well, what did the real Annabelle doll, that cute and cuddly Raggedy Ann doll, do to deserve such a horrible reputation? First of all, let me say this. The real Annabelle currently resides at the Ed and Lorraine Warren Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut, where she has been since the 1970s. Annabelle is at the Warrens Museum because a student nurse named Donna, who owned Annabelle in 1970, had some issues with her. And eventually the Warrens were called in to help with the Annabelle problem. The Warrens declared Annabelle to be demonically possessed and locked her up in a glass case in their museum. What did Annabelle do to cause the 28-year-old student nurse, Donna, to call the Warrens, who were the most renowned paranormal investigators of that time? Well, let me tell you, here's a little backstory to Annabelle and the story of her antics. Annabelle was given to Donna by her mother as a birthday gift in the year 1970. Note Donna had a roommate at the time, another young woman named Angie. Donna noticed the doll was changing positions on her bed, and she and her roommate Angie would find messages written on parchment paper lying around the house saying, Help me help us. The problem with the paper appearing, besides that it's creepy as could be, is that the two young women didn't have any parchment paper in the house in their possession. Okay, that's pretty scary. Next, Annabelle began appearing in different rooms of the house, moving around on her own. Uh, They grow up so fast, don't they? These haunted dolls, yes, they grow up so very fast. Annabelle even appeared to be bleeding around the same time as the moving around the house thing started. (sighs) Soon after this moving around and bleeding thing, Donna and Angie had a male friend over whose name was Lou. Lou decided to take a nap in the same house as a haunted doll. Well, maybe he's not the brightest young man in the world, I guess. Well, maybe he didn't know about Annabelle. I don't know. Lou did end up finding out quite a bit about Annabelle as he woke up from a nap, feeling like he was being strangled, and he had scratch or claw marks on his chest. Meanwhile, Annabelle sat nearby and appeared to be staring at him. Donna and Angie at first thought someone was breaking into their apartment, leaving the notes lying around and moving the doll around. Maybe somebody was messing with them. 
The attack on the napping Lou likely made them think something supernatural or at the very least super weird was going on. So they contacted a medium who came to the apartment to hold a seance to find out what was going on. During the seance, the medium told the women that a young girl named Annabelle Higgins had lived in the spot where their apartment was located before the apartments were actually built. The young Annabelle died in that same spot when she was seven years old. Supposedly, the spirit of Annabelle Higgins told the medium during this seance that she felt comfort living with Donna and Angie and that she wanted to stay with them and be loved. Naturally feeling bad for the lonely and lost spirit of the deceased seven-year-old girl, the two young women gave Annabelle Higgins permission to inhabit the doll and stay with them maybe forever. Of course, things got worse for Donna and Angie, who were, after all, sharing an apartment with a dead seven-year-old girl and a doll that could move around at will and leave them weird notes and attack their friends as they slept. Sure, Annabelle, come live with us. What could go wrong? Yeah, no problem. Oh, boy. No problem at all. Donna and Angie ended up contacting a priest for help with this seemingly very evil doll. The first priest, after he talked to the young women, contacted his superior, Father Cook, for help. Then, Father Cook contacted Ed and Lorraine Warren for help. You have to understand, at this time, the Warrens had a reputation for being able to deal with supernatural and even demonic forces. They were kind of like the Ghostbusters, in a way, right? Or Demon Busters, whatever. The Warrens got involved... They told Donna and Angie they believed their real problems started when they invited Annabelle into their home and felt sympathy for what was supposedly the spirit of a dead seven-year-old girl. The Warrens believed that the force that was calling itself Annabelle was actually demonic in nature. This force was looking for a human host to inhabit. It wasn't actually possessing the doll, but it was manipulating the doll using the doll. Here's what the Warrens said in regards to this part of the Annabelle case. Spirits do not possess inanimate objects like houses or toys. They possess people. An inhuman spirit can attach itself to a place or object, and this is what occurred in the Annabelle case. This spirit manipulated the doll and created the illusion of it being alive in order to get recognition. Truly, the spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll, It was looking to possess a human host. So the demonic or inhuman spirit was using the doll and manipulating the doll to bring attention to itself, to give the illusion of life to the doll and create sympathy for itself. Holy shit. Yeah, that's crazy. The Warrens then had Father Cook, who was an Episcopal priest, perform the Episcopal rites of exorcism and blessing on the apartment Then the Warrens took the Annabelle doll home with them to their occult museum. The end. Or is it? Uh, Yeah, or is it? On the way home from Donna and Angie's apartment, Ed Warren didn't want to drive on the interstate out of fear that the Annabelle doll would get up to shenanigans and cause him to crash the car. Oh, and she tried. She. It sounds like she really tried. During the drive... Both Ed and Lorraine Warren felt a great hatred directed at them from the doll. So they say the car stalled a bunch of times, which in turn caused the power steering and power brakes to fail on the car while they were trying to take these really sharp curves. This doll was trying to kill them. 
Holy shit. Ed Warren doused the Annabelle doll with holy water and made the sign of the cross over her. Then everything was calm and the Warrens got home safely. The Warrens put Annabelle on a chair in Ed Warren's office. Then Annabelle would levitate out of the chair, move around the house. She tried to kill a priest who made fun of her. All kinds of crazy stuff. So the Warrens had a special glass case made for Annabelle. They put her in it along with a copy of the Lord's Prayer and put a sign on the front of the case that says, Warning, positively do not open. To this day, Annabelle sits in her glass case at the Warren's Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut, unable to harm anyone or float around the room or whatever other extremely scary stuff she's capable of. Uh, Except in the case of one young man, a visitor to the Warren Occult Museum a very long time ago. He mocked Annabelle. He banged on her glass case and he dared Annabelle to scratch him or harm him. He had heard all about what had supposedly happened to Lou back in the apartment. Ed Warren ended up tossing the young man out. He said, don't mess with her. You're nuts. Also, you're creating a disturbance in my museum. Get out. The young man hopped on his motorcycle with his girlfriend, tried to go home, and he crashed into a tree and died on the way home. His girlfriend on the back of the motorcycle did survive, and a year later, when she recovered and finally got out of the hospital, she was supposedly in the hospital for a year. When she got out, she said at the time of the crash, they were mocking and making fun of Annabelle. I would say, be careful what you say to Annabelle. That's kind of the moral of this story. Well, up next is the story of a haunted doll you really don't want to say anything bad, mean, or disrespectful to. And that doll is Robert. But first, let's hear a song. This is San Diego, California's Deadbolt with the song Psychic Voodoo Doll. Stay tuned. You 
you're not happy, you're not smiling at all. I guess I'm never gonna be your voodoo doll. Voodoo doll. Thank you very much, Deadbolt, for letting me play your song in this episode of the Bobcast. Links to Deadbolt's various kind of internet presence stuff will be on this episode's page on the Bobcast website. I do want to note at this time as well, I am going to be returning to the subject of the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine Warren, in the near future. There may be a Warren trilogy of episodes. I think so. There's a lot to talk about there for sure. They're very important and also kind of controversial people in the paranormal community. So yeah, we're going to talk about them in the future. But for now, let's talk about Robert the Doll for a bit. Oh boy, Robert the Doll. Yes, I am scared shitless of Robert. I first heard about Robert the Doll in a book called Haunted Stuff Demonic Dolls, Screaming Skulls, and Other Creepy Collectibles that was written by Stacy Graham. That book is absolutely amazing. There's so much information about haunted objects, dolls, human bones, chairs, boats, all kinds of stuff. The book is truly a fantastic resource when you're curious about haunted inanimate objects. Um, you know, mostly inanimate, I should say. Well, like I was saying, Stacy's book talks about Robert, who is an antique doll who currently resides in Key West, Florida, in a museum. After I read about Robert in Stacy's book, I did make the mistake of doing a Google image search on Robert the doll. Oh boy, yes, Robert is a little terrifying looking. Uh, no disrespect meant to you, Robert, at all, by the way, no disrespect. Robert's roughly toddler-sized, I would say, and he appears to be a boy or boyish. 
Robert wears a little sailor suit and a hat. Robert's face now appears very old aged. He He's over 100 years old. Look it up yourself. That's all I'm going to say. I will post a photo on this episode's page of the Bobcast website of Robert as well. Well, let's move past Robert's appearance. Here is his story. A young boy named Eugene Robert Otto was given a gift of a handmade doll back in the early 1900s by a servant that worked for his parents in their home in Key West, Florida. Eugene, or Jean, as he was known, named his new toy Robert. After himself, he gave the toy his middle name. When Jean was 10 years old, Robert started to show he might be a little more than just a toy. One night, Jean awoke to see Robert sitting at the foot of his bed, seemingly staring at him, which, by the way, was not where Robert was located when Jean fell asleep. Jean screamed for his mother, who was awoken by Jean's screams and the sound of furniture being thrown around Jean's room. The door to Jean's room was locked. It wasn't locked when he went to bed. And once Jean's mother broke through the locked door, she found Jean huddled in a corner of the room, furniture upended all over the place in the room, and Robert sitting there peacefully, very serenely, at the foot of Jean's bed. When his mother asked what had happened, Jean said, Robert did it. After that, Jean's mother and father would sometimes hear Jean talking to someone or something in his room when he was all by himself, and they would hear a response coming back to Jean in someone else's voice. Jean's parents also reported hearing Robert the doll giggling, running around the upstairs area of the house, and even claimed to have witnessed Robert's facial expression changing and even seeing him speak. People walking by the family's home at 534 Eaton Street in Key West claimed to have seen Robert the doll staring out of an upstairs window of the home, and that was when the doll was supposedly sitting on Gene's bed in his room. Gene eventually grew up. He left Key West, Florida to go to art school in New York and Paris, and there are conflicting stories about what Robert was up to in those years. Some of the stories say Gene took Robert when he went to school. Some say he left the doll at his parents' house in Key West, Either way, after Gene's parents died, Gene moved back into the family home in Key West with his wife, Anne, and Robert. Gene's wife, Anne, did not like Robert the doll and said that he made her feel very uncomfortable. She didn't really know why, but she said she didn't feel good when she was around Robert. Anne asked Gene, will you please lock Robert in the attic or get rid of him? And Gene did. He locked Robert up in the attic. Supposedly, Robert did not like the attic, though. After Gene put Robert in the attic, people visiting their home would hear footsteps and evil-sounding laughter coming from above from the area of the attic. It was even said that schoolchildren walking by the auto home saw Robert staring at them from a window on the upstairs level of the home and that Robert was even mocking them as they walked past. Gene heard about that and he went up to the attic to look for Robert. Robert wasn't there. 
Robert was sitting in Jean's old room in the upstairs area of the house near a window, sitting in a rocking chair, staring outside. So Jean took Robert back into the attic. Like I said, I don't think Robert liked being stashed away in the attic. So once again, Jean found him in his old bedroom upstairs in that rocking chair, looking out the window. And that went on for a while. Jean would take Robert back up to the attic and always Robert would end up back in his old bedroom over and over again. Jean Otto died in 1974 and Ann Otto rented the house out for a tiny bit. Unfortunately, Robert the doll came along with a property. The first family to move in after Jean Otto died had a young daughter who was around 10 years old The young girl found Robert in the attic and was very excited to have a new toy. That excitement didn't last very long. However, as the young girl claimed that Robert told her he wanted to hurt her and she would see Robert up and walking around in her room as she tried to sleep. Oh, boy. The girl's parents, being much more sane and rational people than any of the autos, got right the fuck out of that house and away from Robert. Tenants of the house, renters came and went until eventually Ann Otto sold the house to Myrtle Reuter, who owned the house and Robert the doll for 20 years. Myrtle said that she and Robert became best friends in those 20 years. Okay. Uh, Oh, boy. Myrtle Reuter donated Robert to the East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida in 1994. And there Robert sits to this very day. Now, all that was pretty creepy, right? I have to say, what terrifies me the most about Robert is what he's been up to since he moved out of the auto home and into the museum. First of all, there's this. In the museum, if you try to take Robert's photo where he sits in his glass case without asking his permission, your camera might not work. It might actually stop working. Oh, it'll work fine once you leave the museum. But if you don't ask permission from Robert before you take his photo, your camera probably will not work. It is said, though, if you ask Robert for permission before you take a picture of him, he might kind of tip his head at you and acknowledge your request for a photo and allow that photo to happen. Staff at the museum have reported the sound of evil laughter coming from Robert's display and even the sound of something tapping on the glass case. And when they look back at the glass case, they see Robert's little doll hand resting right up against the glass. Worst of all to me are the events that are said to befall people who mock or make fun of Robert to his face. After visiting Robert and being disrespectful to him, death, divorce, dismemberment, horrible dreams are said to follow you. Robert's reach appears to extend far from his glass cage in the East Martello Museum, So be nice, be very respectful to Robert if you pay him a visit. That's my recommendation. I would not want anything bad to happen to you otherwise. Okay, Robert the doll. Oh boy, yes. Before we move on to the final segment of this episode, let's hear another song. Up next is the song Yellow Wallpaper by Dayton, Ohio's Minstrels of Mayhem, House Ghost. Stay tuned. 
Thank you, House Ghost, for that song. I do want to say look for a full House Ghost interview and episode coming out very soon. The band House Ghost is so damn good. They're incredible. Absolutely incredible. The last part of this Haunted Dolls episode is all about Betty the Doll. Do you remember Betty from the Ghost Stories Part 3 episode back in December of 2020? Oh, I do. I definitely do. Amanda Paulson and Sharice Williams are two paranormal investigators who bought Betty the Doll on eBay back around September or October of 2020. Amanda and Sharice did separate investigations of Betty the Doll, and that was also over a very long distance. Amanda lives in Spokane, Washington, and Sharice lives in Ohio. They each spent some time with Betty, and then they compared notes at the end of their investigations, the results of which were kind of gnarly, if you ask me. If you want details on that investigation, I'd say go back and listen to the Ghost Stories Part 3 episode and Amanda and Sharice's segments. And I would also recommend you go on YouTube and look up Pretty Effin' Spooky. That's Amanda's YouTube channel and Sharice Williams, her YouTube channel, because that investigation is very, very detailed and filmed, recorded. It's all there on YouTube. I'm just going to say this, that after I talked to Amanda and Sharice, after I watched the videos about Betty on YouTube, Betty appears to be some kind of a gateway for spiritual or paranormal activity or some kind of a vessel. I'm not sure. It doesn't seem like there's just one single entity residing in that doll. Now, I do want to say this. Betty got her name from the people that owned Betty before Amanda and Sharice. And these people bought Betty at a garage sale of a neighbor. Betty was in a box along with a bunch of other stuff at this garage sale. The owner of the house that had that garage sale was the widower of a woman named Betty. The people that ended up with Betty in this box of with all this other stuff reported some kind of strange activity from the doll, and they believed that the spirit of this deceased woman resided in the doll, so they named her Betty. I do think, though, that the previous owners before Amanda and Sharice were mistaken in thinking it was just one spirit in Betty. I think there's more to Betty than kind of meets the eye in some ways. Amanda and Sharice ended up telling me that Betty was going to be moving on to another team of paranormal investigators after they did their investigation. So I decided why not track Betty's progress and see what this new team came up with? Were their results going to be the same? Would Betty do anything at all? Well, here are the people of that paranormal investigation team to tell the continuing tale of Betty. What follows is a talk I had recently with Josh and Tamara of the Hex Files podcast. They've had Betty for a while now, and they've got some very interesting things to say about Betty. Stay tuned. Before we even got her, Sharice was like, I had to cleanse my house because we both practice witchcraft. Me and Sharice, you don't take the title, but you do it. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm familiar with hauntings and spirit cleansing, all that stuff. Yeah. And um, she was like, I wouldn't just give it to anybody because I had to do some serious cleaning. Uh, something was lingering here. 
And she told us she thought it was a vessel. Basically, good luck. Let me know what you find. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's when she came. Was probably October. Mm-hmm. And because um, we had her at Salem. Yeah, Halloween. We were like, well, we're going to do some experiments with her. We're going to do the the Estes method with the headphones and the spirit box, and we're going to do. I had just recently gotten a FLIR, uh, like a thermal camera for the iPhone. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And we're like, let's use that. So yeah, we didn't. Other than the first day with the dog. Oh, as soon as we <laughs> so we have like a plant stand in our window, and it's sort of like a oh, like an alive space like we like work on that space we like try to I try to bring like the plants and like it's a working space it's an altar if you will okay sure we kind of like sat her on an empty space there and then we have we have two dogs we have a dog out and they came out with their ears down and their heads low and like kind of like creep over to her whoa and the one, he actually sniffed her and then, like, jumped back. Like, walked backwards. No, no don't backwards. And his He's hackles, backwards. his, like, hackles and his little rough went up. And then he walked to the door and then, like, whimpered and looked back and then, like, very sheepishly went back over there and then, like, stepped beside us. And we were like, did that just happen? And he kind of looks at her with his ears down. We're like, okay, they know something's there. Yeah. Wow. And Betty's of a and size we, and shape and everything that if there was nothing going on, you would suspect a dog would be like, oh, thanks for bringing this new toy home for me to play with, more or less, right? We need to keep her out of the way because they like stuffed animals. They like tearing them up. And we're like, oh, we they can't get a hold of Betty. And, I mean, we could have put whatever over there, and they would have never cared. No. The minute he sniffed her, he was like, whoa. Yeah. And he's like a boxer, wolf mix. He's like a big dog. He's a big, big and like, th- yeah. He is a little, a little bit of a baby though. He's a dum dum, right? But he was just like, no, I ain't fucking with that. And then he seemed very concerned. But that was about the only interaction with the animals or something weird they did yeah. with her. But um, that was like night one of bringing her home. That's what day one was. <laughs> interesting. That's very, very interesting to me. As a parallel to some of the things that the others had said, I had. Strange, a very strange dream the first night. Of oh, yeah. An old lady that I'd never met that seemed very familiar to me. And like my baby cousin was kind of like guiding us through a flood in an old pickup truck. That's so weird. Wow. <laughs> I do dream vividly from time to time, but it comes in phases. And this was completely out of phase with like my dream cycle. And it was incredibly profound. It was one of those dreams that seems like it lasts the whole night. I was in distress about the flood. We had to, like, leave. We were on the run. We were on the run from the flood. We were on the run from other things. And it makes you wonder. It was a very distressing dream. Because, you know, they say the, the name Betty came from the people they supposedly got it from. There was an elderly lady named Betty whose possessions, you know, they bought the trunk, I think is what the eBay. If you're wondering, just go listen to the episode that you did <laughs> with Sharice yeah. Amanda, where they say, I think that's where they get the name. And so we think, oh, there's this old lady spirit tied to it, but there's a lot more going on there than just that. But yeah, that was day one. <laughs> she can weirdly stand up on her own, not on her own, but she can be 
moved to a standing position if she chooses, I think, which is weird and documented in photos. Right. Yeah. On our web, on our Instagram, there's pictures. We did a uh, an event this Halloween, and we had her. We did a live Q and A, and we had her standing there. And while we were waiting, like you just kind of stood her up, and she stayed there. We're like, oh shit, that looks so creepy. And when. <laughs> When the doll moved from the weird standing position to the seated position, she just sits down. She doesn't fall. She like just fall fell. Or, any, or anything like that. She just sits. It's weird. Wow. It's really weird. I want to say it's the pattern. Yeah, you I want to say it. Maybe you can see how she's standing on the table. Holy cow. Wow. She's so top heavy, you wouldn't think. We even took a picture from like behind. Yeah, right to like, show she's that she's just, not propped against something or anything like that. So the image there sh- that Josh is showing me, Betty is literally like pretty much standing up, and they took two angle shots of her, and there's nothing propped holding her up or anything like that. As time went by, when did you first start doing the investigations of her? We decided that I'm trying to think of how it started. We were going to do an episode. Uh, with Sharice and Amanda and have them on and talk about it. And it's like, well, let's do our own Estes investigation. So for those who don't know, I don't think I explained it on here, but like they were saying, you do the blindfold, you do the the headphones and somebody, you plug it into a spirit box, which cycles through radio stations and AM, FM frequencies. And then spirits are sometimes thought to use those to kind of speak through manipulating the words or the wavelength, whatever. So we're like, let's do that. And then one person asks questions and the other person is wearing that unaware of what the question is being asked. So you spout out random words. So you think, and like uh, on your episode, how they said, you feel crazy. The stuff you say, you're like, this means nothing. Yeah. Our experience is always when you like, so what did we get? And it's always like, Oh my God, that was so relevant to what I asked. So we thought let's set up in the room. We're going to light candles. We're going to do all this thing, had a a chair by itself. The person was going to hold Betty, do the session. We recorded it for our bonus episode, set the the computer up, and I put Betty on the bed. She had been sitting in that room, which was cooler, for uh, about 20 minutes. So she should not be warm. And then I took the FLIR camera, uh, which shows like heat differentials and things like that, we pointed at you pointed at Betty while I was getting set up and Betty has like this warmth to her. Yeah. But what did you, you felt something? So the way that the room is set up, I was sitting on the foot of the bed. The chair that you were going to sit in was at the foot by the wall. And you kind of like plunked Betty down beside me. Right. From a dress, from a dresser. To the bed, just you like that. Live in a small apartment. I mean, it's sure. not far. Right. <laughs> um, but you know how when like your dog jumps on the bed and sits down beside you, or if you have like a hefty cat and they sit by you, like you feel like the weight of them kind of pushing down in the cushion. You feel like they're warm. That's what it felt like. It felt like when your animal comes to sit down beside you, you and feel their presence. You feel their weight. You feel she, their warmth. She if she weighs a pound, it's on the end. Like oh, she yeah. doesn't barely weighs anything. Well, yeah. that was and so the fact that you felt that, and then I took I mean, a it shot. It was like a heat pull. It was a presence. It was Which, 
yeah, for the sake of the the sake of your um, reaction and talking to us, and then we'll send you this picture too. But she had this, like you can see, she should be all purple, but she's actually got like heat on the face of her. Oh yeah, and there's no reason there's no reason that she should have that. She's made out of the same stuff as like cover. Yeah, I kind of outlined it there. I see. But she should be the same temperature, but she's right. not. Yeah, it's it's just weird because that's me holding her and she's just black, like purple. So she's she's cold. She's an inanimate object, supposedly. She should not radiate any heat, especially when she's been in a cold room. She should be the same temperature as everything around her. As anything else, like a blanket or a pillow in the room or just whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, like no, right. Yeah. Like you when you first go to bed on a cold day and there's no heater on in the room, and you grab the blanket and it's like, oh, God, it's cold, right? There's not supposed to be any heat there. So, wow. The FLIR camera is very sensitive where if you're looking at a wall and you put your handprint on it for just a second, it'll show the handprint. Ah. So the fact that there was nothing beside her in front of her, the, like the fact that she's giving off heat and she's been ambient temperature of everything else in there, she should not have had any she should have blended in with the background. And it's so clearly her. It's not like there was a warm spot here. Right. There's no vent yeah. there. The or... here. It's not diffused. It's very clearly the outline of the doll. So we already thought, okay, this is getting weird. Yeah. I put the headphones on and you were seeing, and we don't take much stock in the just normal orbs. Most of it's dust, debris, insects. But in the FLIR camera, you were seeing these little dots and in one of the pictures that we got of her there's a dot of like something that's warmer than its surrounding floating in the air and i didn't know any of this was going on and because he's in he's in the yeah Yeah. blindfolded headphones on everything right yeah and to think of what what some of the questions were and i just remember i felt like nothing was coming through and i felt irritation and i kept feeling irritated and i was like wait Sharice said she was irritated. Why am I getting irritated? Like, I don't even know what's happening. Just calm down. And whatever I said lined up with whatever you asked. And every question. I kept hearing like these things about God, about like different things. And I'm like, no, I'm just hearing weird shit. He said, How many are are there of you? Or how many of you are there? And right. And there was like Right. And then the funny thing was we got out of that and then it was your turn. Yeah. And then you took Betty and I'm doing the clear and I'm asking questions and you're not really responding. And I was like, do you want to talk to us? And you were like, idiot. And I was like, oh, so do you not like this? And it was like. Idiot technologist. Or it's, so we're both, well, you're in mammography now, but we're both radiological technologists or rad tech, x-ray tech. And it said, technologist. And we we're like, are you saying that we aren't asking the right questions? And it said, irritated. Yeah. And we're like, oh, shit. So maybe, but your demeanor changed. Like, mine felt like a kid. I heard a kid's voice say, like, hey, or hi. And I'm like, I feel like I'm talking to a kid. And then the answers I got with you felt like an old, like, bitter, spiteful like older person who was like, I'm not doing this. You know, I'm, I don't like this. And at some point I said, are you ready for us to stop? And you said, I'm done. And I said, 
oh, are you done? And you said, no, I heard I'm done. So I'm done. And I was like, oh my God, I just said, like, are you, are you done with this? So it felt like we had two different, two or more different spirits that kind of came through. Like through me, it felt like more of a playful, oh, let's talk about sticks. Like, oh, yes. Oh my God. (laughs) It's been a few months. So we're trying to remember. We have like decorative sticks throughout our house. I'm sure you can imagine like the witchy decor. Like, yeah, there's some sticks like, up there. Oh, sure. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And I can't remember who was in. I think it was mine. I, are you, you asked really if I didn't remember. It was like the kid's voice. Yeah. Like the child, like playful energy. And I was like, do you want to play a game? Because I'm always like very happy to interact in that child like way because I am actually only a large child, <laughs> not an adult. But I was like, do you want to play a game? And then you were like, sticks. And I was like, what kind of stick games? Like, let's play sticks. I'm like, all in. Like, I am pushing, like, every bit of, like, playful, let's have fun. Like, like picky up freckly, like, whatever energy I can put it to. And then it was like, you were describing locations of sticks about our house. Because we have... Oh, it said to, like, the right? It said right above. Yes. And I have, like, a couple of sticks or stuff that I've carved, like, on the wall. And it was just weird because I had no idea I was talking about sticks or playing a game with what I was saying. Right. And so we got done with that. And, like, I felt like I had a headache. You kind of didn't feel great. And we were like, okay, that was cool. And then we talked about it with Sharice and stuff, which it's a couple episodes back. If you go to our podcast, you can listen to it. We're probably more fresh with what happened Sure. But then we thought, well, for our patrons, um, and as a bonus, let's do a live one with her right before Christmas. And that one was insane. I started, so we had a live chat where people were asking us questions mm-hmm. through YouTube Live. And I remember I was sitting across the room with all the headphones, the blindfolds on. I don't feel like I'm getting anything. And I'm saying stuff. And... It's just like this weird nonsense to me. And I'm like, I'm not hearing anything. And apparently whatever I was saying lined up with what you guys were asking. And at one point I thought, I'm hearing Betty a lot, like the name Betty. And we only name her that because that's what the eBay listing and Sharice and Amanda said. But at this point we're like, maybe this is a vessel. Oh, before this, we listened back to our recording that we did from the first one. And we had legitimate EVPs that we were recording that were responding to questions that we weren't hearing in the spirit box. Like there's a voice that says door in the background when we ask like, what are you? And we hear door. And what's crazy is it almost sounds like my voice, but I did not say anything. And we were like, we heard a couple other staticky like voices in that. And so we were like, oh shit. So when we do that thing, I'm thinking, well, her name's Betty. That's what we're calling her. And I'm not hearing anything. I'm thinking I'm about to be done. I hear Betty. And I'm like, okay, that's just my imagination. You know, you're, you're biased. You're hearing it. Sure. And I'm thinking, oh, it's not Betty. I'm just hearing shit. I'm really ready to stop this. And then I hear Betty. And I'm like, okay, no, no, I'm just making that up. And the minute I think, I was like, I am not hearing in my head i'm saying you're not saying betty it said it wasn't even a radio station anymore it stopped 
and there was silence and then it said Betty and then started up again and I took the headphones off I said I'm done I'm done I was like because this thing is almost mocking and your face was like because they had already been talking about how my answers felt like it was mocking us yeah it's a very like trickster yeah like um, mocking yeah sometimes playful yeah I don't think it's dangerous but it's almost like who do you, who the fuck do you think you are? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, like, well, I have faults too. Don't forget right. is what it's like. Like not like, not like dangerous, not like a culture guy. It's not going to like, right. But going to prove it though. But I think we've gotten to the point where I'm like, I'm not even sure that it likes the name Betty. Mm-hmm. I think it uses Betty as like this mocking, like that's what you refer to me as. But I don't know if we've, I have theories of what we've done or created or somebody's yeah. created. I have theories that there's no spirit named Betty. There's, it's become a gateway because people have made it a gateway. They've said it's haunted. It's a moniker. It's a foothold. It's basically uh, a Ouija board type deal, but in a doll. We didn't even talk about the Ouija board at all. Oh, we did a Ouija board with her. Yeah. Sorry, we're remembering this. We were doing a Ouija board and it would say like, it would point to a letter. We have that video up on our Instagram too. It would point to A and then the spirit box going out loud would say A. Yeah. And it was like... And numbers and... It kept doing numbers. And that's yeah. when the Betty, Betty, Betty... It kept saying Betty, Betty over and over. That's when that stuff started. And I feel like something there is wanting us to like acknowledge it, but there's more going on. And like we've talked with Sharice, we've talked with Amanda... And I think we all came to the conclusion that, like, this isn't just one hundred doll with one spirit. This is a doorway. This is a vessel. And yeah. somebody somewhere made it. To me, I feel like it's a beacon. It's like a lantern. And every time you interact with it, you turn a light on. And people are like, that's where I need to go. That's where I need to talk. People are talking to this. It reminds me of a party line. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Party line was in the beginning of home telephones, like you would pick up the line. You didn't dial numbers. You picked up the line. You spoke to the operator. Correct me if I'm wrong. So give me to that party. Operator connected you to the party to which you wish to speak. But in the meantime, you were connected to all of the other people connecting to phone calls. Right. And you could converse. We've never got any clear names or answers. And it's almost like too many things are trying to speak at once. And they have such distinct energies, distinct personalities, like obviously different intentions in their interactions with us. It's I think the one that was causing most of the irritation and seemed to be kind of like a bitter entity and likes the negativity, I think that hung around Sharice. I think that came through the doll. And I mean, Sharice is good at what she does and she's good at her protections. And she knew how to deal with it. Somebody else might have had more activity, worse results. But I think that this just kind of picks up whatever's around because it's been attributed to the haunted. Yeah. And I don't think, and maybe at one time there was actually a spirit of that person with it, but that spirit may have never traveled with her. It's just weird because there's so many similarities between what Amanda, Sharice, and we've gotten. Yeah. We weren't in the dark like they were when they did their investigation, but we kind of knew what they got. And 
honestly, I just kind of expected it to not do much here. I, I thought super skeptic. I was like, yeah. this is done. I was like, it's already done its thing. There was a spirit attached. It stayed with Sharice, and we're gonna get it. It's not gonna do anything. But yeah, we've had some some weird experiences. We've we've yet to do more experiments with her other than that last one because that last one was okay and people were asking stuff that seemed to line up yeah and it's just i don't know it's there's no there doesn't seem to be like a you we don't get a name it doesn't seem like they really got a name uh it knew their names and there was something it did that sounded like your voice on that last one to you yeah because you got scared yeah, I heard my own voice back through. Well, I was in the Estes method, and I heard my own voice in the headphones, and I was like, "Done, I'm fucking done." That's it said, it. "Like it's tonight. I'm yeah. fine." It said something crazy. It said, "I'm fine," but it said, "I'm fine" in the way that I say, "I'm fine," when I'm like, "Fuck you, I'm not fine." In <laughs> right? Oh boy. Oh, it got personal. So it it got like pretty personal in that case, it yeah. seems like. Yeah. But when yeah, when you think trickster spirits, you think mocking, you think those spirits like to use your voice. It doesn't feel dangerous. It doesn't feel harmful, but it feels like a portal. And at the same time, it seemed like when we were hearing those like evangelical, like God saver stuff. Seemed like some of the stuff that we were pulling through didn't want to be pulled through at right. the same time. Because then you have to think. I think I asked, "Do you not like that I'm a witch and I'm talking to you?" Because it was like you know the the AM stations, even though it was set to FM, like well, that. We don't have that in California. <laughs> like the oh, no, sermons and the God, yeah, yeah. And it was like God, and I'm like, oh, I was like, okay, it's saying God, and yeah. And so I was like, well, the spirit that's coming through now might not want anything to do with Ouija boards, might not want to do anything with this. And so it's being very irritable. But the kid might just want to play. I don't know. Is there a kid or is it making that up? Like, you know what I mean? Right. Being a trickster. Being, uh, yeah, sure. So but you don't feel anything, any reason to be afraid of having the doll in your house and around you and, and or anything like that. Just Yeah, not so far. We don't do the Sharice method of leaving her in a circle of salt, but... We've got, like, protections, and I mean, but we, in the beginning, like, we'd come home and we'd be like, hey, Betty, and just, you know, and I'm like, maybe she just felt more welcome here, maybe the doorway got kind of closed a little bit more as it moved around. We don't really hear it, although that one day, I swear she moved, because she was not facing one direction, and then later in the day, she was facing the other direction, and I've never seen anybody touch her, and I was like, did she move by herself? And it doesn't sound but, like uh, your dogs would have gone near either to do that. Yeah. And they they're, don't love her. they don't like her. We think, okay, well, you know, we might pass her along to somebody that will hold on to her and investigate. And then like, Who's very good at warding. War, yeah. And sending back. But you're basically saying to me, she feels like the idea of a Ouija board where the Ouija board in and of itself is not a portal, but when somebody's using it, you're opening one to talk to things. You're making an intent. You're saying, I want to communicate. Whether you had a Ouija board in front of you or not. Most people just don't do that unless they do. So it's like, is she really spiritually active by herself with us? It sounds like she was active with them. Mm -hmm. But with us, has she, has those little things left her? 
And now is she something that when we pick up and want to communicate kind of reopens that door. Right. So there's still things to learn about her. Amanda and Sharice, I think are on to something too. And it, it validates what we found that, that, that there's not just one spirit attached to this. She said there were 16. She 16. did say it were, but I feel like that fluctuates, that changes. And it's, she also said there were seven. Yeah. So I feel like yeah, sometimes- Yeah, because she told Amanda and Sharice there were seven, right? Isn't that right? What, yeah. Yeah. At least, and so at least I she think, didn't say we are legion because then it would have been time to. Like, right. What is going to do? But I feel like she's. <laughs> I feel like she's this fucking close. Um, I, I would say, and this is a shameless plug, but it's free. You can listen to our episode on her. You can listen to some of the stuff we put on Instagram to get a more detailed like and see the stuff we had happen. Yeah, some but, visual evidence as well as yeah, just what we're talking yeah. about here. We also asked what we could do in good manners and in good faith. What can we do? What, what do you need? What would you like? How can we help you? Oh, great. So, whatever there was there. One of them said leave or out. Burn it. Burn it. Yeah. It said burn it. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know that we'll burn it. Wow. But I'm wondering, I don't think anything's trapped there, but... Maybe something doesn't like us talking to it. I have forgot about the burn it thing. Yeah. So it's been it's been an adventure with her, but I've, we've never had a haunted doll, so I guess we do now. <laughs> right, and I would say, you know, one thing that, that I really kind of pick up on through this whole thing, you definitely have both approached it from a position of respect, which any good investigator, I think, would do, but you've also approached it from a position of, of almost compassion in some ways, and treating her kindly. And that may not be something that say it is just a portal or whatever. You're opening different doors, like a nicer door in some way to me, it would seem like, and say it is, she is actually a haunted object. And there are certain spirit, only certain spirits attached to it. There could be some appreciation from her in that regard with the way that you both treat her with respect, compassion and all that. So, we heard like Amanda and Sharice both heard help right. on like the spirit, both Amanda. And we heard it too. And it's like, are we just making this up because we're biased? But like, you, we've heard it a few times. Yeah. Like Sharice is like, that could even be a trickster trying to play on compassion. But sure. watching Amanda and Sharice do it too, like you can tell and they approach, that's why we like them. We don't just like any paranormal investigators. There's a sure. lot out there. You approach these places with compassion and respect. We're the people that walk through graveyards and read the names because who knows the last time somebody said their name. Right. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, we're all going to die. We're, we all might be ghosts. Who knows? Like the one spirit might be irritable, but the next one that comes through might need help. We don't know. Yeah. But, you know, just treating an object with some kind of like respect and stuff shows that that's why we do this. We care and we want answers. We want to provide help. We feel sensitive. We both felt called to to help things. It's not like for the show part of it. We do find it interesting as hell. We sure, find it, sure. It's like, oh, God, every time we get something, we're like, we freak out. But, you know, at the end, it's not like some of the shows where it's like antagonizing to get a response. It's like, you know, we're here to work with you. We're, you know, trying to be, you know, friendly but, you know, we also have protections and boundaries so that when something comes through, we just stop it. It's like, no, you're not, you know, you're not welcome here right. to do that. 
but I think that's rare. I think people with Hollywood and shit think there's more, there are bad things out there, but sure. I think everybody thinks these bad malicious things are just waiting to get through. And for the most part, it's just like the human nature I think is things just want to talk and things want to reach out and feel connected. But and you the do bad get thing is colonialism. <laughs> colonialism. Yeah. But you do get like the tricksters and it, like I said, nothing's been knocked over. Nothing's been broken. I've been in places that have negative energies residing or haunting them. Yeah, I've never felt that with her. But you do kind of feel the frustration and that irritation. And I don't know. Sharice brought up a good point with us. Is is that something, is that like somebody trying to like fight for the, the soapbox or the platform or the mic? No, I want to talk. Do you feel the frustration of like a back and forth between spirits trying to come through at once or maybe next time we do a thing with her we can try to like filter it somehow yeah. like all right everybody's gonna get a turn if there's more than if there's 16 here form a line you know You're what right. i mean maybe that's the frustration i i'm not sure but we've had good experience with her we always joke we're gonna send her back to sharice and sharice is like no <laughs> so whatever sharice had i want to say i don't know how sharice feels in the end but i want to say that the doll either amplified or brought attention to something that already wanted to mess with her uh, and her sure. family. And she's such a good witch with her protections and stuff. I think that maybe this gave a little bit of a sliver for something to slide in and say like, now I can fuck with you a little bit and get your energy. And the doll really had nothing to do with it. We've learned so much from her. I'm <laughs> just really grateful for like the journey that she's taken. She has taught us yeah. a little bit of like working with haunted objects. So yeah. that's something. Yeah. Sure. With Something that you've never done before either, really. It sounds like, you know, that's it's kind of opened a new door for you for things to investigate and look at and experience for sure. The crazy thing to me is I always grew up and I'm still like, I do not like dolls. I grew up having nightmares. My grandmother collected them. They terrified me. I always, Chucky, I did not like. I always was scared of dolls. And I'm like, wait a minute. I've been like, this doll has been fucking here and I don't care. But she's different. She's wow, interesting. Worst that I've ever had from Betty is like just But that could be like that could be something drawing. There's so many ways yeah. and reasons it could be, but it's been interesting, it's been fun. Like I said, even if she wasn't haunted, we made some great friends out of it. She's been a lot of fun. We've had one of your friends came over and felt something weird off her. Wasn't it Michael? Michael? Oh, yeah. Michael is not very excited to interact with Betty at all. Yeah. And I don't know. That could be other people have, like, held her and not felt much. It could be the person. It could be, like I said, if she's a vessel, it could be whatever it picks up on. It's yeah. just, who yeah. knows? It could be whatever is, like, trying to channel through to you. It might not be point. good. I mean, it is Betty's a door. She said it. She yeah. said it's a door. It says door, and it's so weird it's, it's like an evp it's my voice but it's not in an evp for listeners your listeners probably know but it's the electronic voice phenomenon where you know the old school like take the recorder and just ask a question and see if something uses it but we weren't even trying to do that we were just recording it for a bonus episode on our patreon we and to document yeah we were expecting to hear it through the box and the stuff we heard through the audio was like even more astounding than what we heard in the the, the box. So it, it was, was outside of it, right? I mean, it was a recording, an external yeah. recording kind of thing. Wow. And then nobody, you know, it's these weren't anything that was heard at the time. 
it wasn't until you played it back. So that's what also made us think, were, were we talking to something through Betty in the spirit box and something else is wanting attention and room? Who knows? Or they're good at throwing their voice. I don't know. No kidding. But yeah, it's strange. Thank you so much for talking tonight. I really appreciate it. Bye, Bob. All right. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night. There you go. Betty's story continued on the Bobcast. It appears that for now, at least, Betty has found a home. Then really interesting what Josh and Tamara said about their thinking that Betty might be some kind of gateway to somewhere or something else. Really interesting. I'm going to continue to follow the story of Betty and I will update you as the story of Betty develops. I am going to say I had a feeling that Betty was really special when I talked to a man in Sharice back in December of 2020. That's kind of why and how this whole episode came about and episodes that will follow this one that track Betty. Really, really interesting stuff and just the whole thing blows my mind completely. And I will say, Betty does scare me at least a little bit. I'm glad she's in really good hands, starting with Amanda and Sharice, and now with Josh and Tamara of Hex Files. Super awesome. I do hope you enjoyed the tales of haunted dolls on this episode, haunted or otherwise. I'm not really sure what's going on with Betty or Annabelle or Robert, to be honest with you. But we will call them haunted dolls for now, just to make it a little bit easier. Really hope you liked it. A huge thanks to Josh and Tamara of the Hex Files podcast for taking the time to talk to me for this episode. Take good care of Betty for me. I'm sure you both will. A huge thanks as well to Amanda Paulson of the Pretty F and Spooky YouTube channel and blog and Sharice Williams of the Sharice Williams YouTube channel for introducing me to Betty in the first place and your incredible investigations of her that we talked about a couple months ago. And of course, a huge thank you to Ivy Boyd for her contribution to this episode in the Mysterious Musings with Ivy Boyd segment. Definitely look for monthly contributions from Ivy on the Bobcast. I'm very happy, very stoked to have her, and I hope you are too. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please consider becoming my patron on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash I want to party with Bob. Well, let's wrap this one up with a final song, and it's a really great song. This is by Devil Doll, and it is called Forsaken. The song was written about Devil Doll's bass player who passed, and the song was written in his memory. Colleen Duffy is the band Devil Doll. She says the song Forsaken came to her in a dream. And Colleen says this about the dream and the song. We were singing the chorus together and we were in this place and opened the doors and it was all white. He told me how much he loved the song in the dream. So I feel like I really had his blessing on that song. And that's really awesome and lovely. My gosh, I think that's such a great way to dedicate this song to the memory of the bass player from Devil Doll. And Colleen, thank you very much. Don't forget to check out and help her with her GoFundMe. If you can, read her story on her website, which is www.devil-doll.com. 
Thanks again so much for listening. Here's Devil Doll with the song Forsaken. Those faraway eyes Seen too many lies They search to the sky And cry Why have you forsaken me? I feel like I'm lost at sea So why do you follow me? Truth is all I